You're listening to Swinging Down Under, a podcast about the swinging, non-monogamous lifestyle. From two crazy Australians with over four years of lifestyle antics to keep you entertained, informed, angry, happy and horny. Join our international swinging adventures. G'day guys and welcome back to Swinging Down Under. This is a bonus episode where I... Is it an exciting episode? It's not. It's a shit episode. You shouldn't listen. You is should it a probably... good episode? No. Well, I mean, come on. You, normally they are though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Okay, just checking. So this episode is about gangbangs. It's actually a follow-on from episode 113 where Daryl and I spoke about how to arrange a gangbang and we mentioned a company in Sydney called Ecstasy Gangbangs and I reached out to Enrique who runs Ecstasy Gangbangs and... I was lucky enough to spend a bit of time interviewing him about, you know, how he goes about arranging gangbangs and what he thinks about them. So that is coming up just with me and Enrique later in the podcast. Did you seriously just say I Enrique did. like you d- that? You should do it now. Uh, I'm not going to. Come on, babe. You can't play. even force me. Play. Is he Brazilian? I think that. Oh, I think he is partially. I think that might be his alter ego as well, though. What a Brazilian alter ego. Yeah, like a okay. sassy. I don't think so. No? That doesn't sound like a thing. Oh, I think it might be. Okay, fine. Well, let's uh, just converse with Enrico and see what the what the what the crack is. Yeah, so so stay tuned for that interview. I really had a great time asking him some questions. So we spoke about how he arranges it, themes, SDI testing, the whole the whole kit and caboodle. So hey, but interestingly though, what I wanted to talk about before we spend some time with that interview, we received a question after I'd done the interview, and and I wanted to take a moment to talk to you about it, Daryl, because I thought it was super interesting. It was from Doc and Suki, and it's a two kind of part question. They said for a female focused gangbang is it only about inviting men to be part of it and would I consider women with strap-ons to be okay that was one of the questions and the reason I want to talk to you about this even though it was kind of I guess focused on me and my thoughts on the matter I think it's interesting because this is also a fantasy for you so I want to hear your thoughts on it first what do you think if you if you were arranging the gangbang for me as a fantasy as something that you think as my fantasy yeah like as something that you know would be sexually turning you on all of that like how would you feel about there being a woman in the room with a strap on I think it's more more for me personally, it's more about, I suppose, to, to use a word that I can't think of anything other right now. I'll, I'll just say the, the violation, I suppose, is part of it. I don't know. Violation is not a good fit for what I'm trying to explain. But Masculine energy, like being no, taken? No, no, no. It's not, it's not even that. I think it's just more, I don't know, somehow more aggressive or something like that or assertive if, there's, if it's a guy involved is, is my opinion. So I also don't see – so it's also about them being – so for me, the the excitement is about them being gratified as well. So you effectively being a toy that gets them off is part of what I like. And I, I don't think that the, the vast majority of strap-ons that I've seen wouldn't offer the same sort of scenario for the woman who's using them, especially if we're talking about, you know, just like blowjobs or something like that. And I just don't think it has the same uh, the same relevance for the person who's wearing it as, as what, you know, an inbuilt penis does yeah okay and so the thank you the reason i wanted to actually ask you that was because if you're talking about it just being an item that is penetrating somebody you know is it a big deal but i think the my my opinion on it is that look i don't think it's a big deal in terms of could you have a woman in the room with a strap on would that really take away from it look i think you know, you mentioned it there. What about oral? You know, there's generally like the idea of a gangbang is that your your orifices are getting filled up, right? And I just think that sucking on the end of a strap on to me, it doesn't turn me on at all. I don't get turned on by that whatsoever. So the only thing that that woman could be doing would be penetrating me with that the strap on. And 
Yeah, I mean, I think that it's all well and good if you're just talking about that penetrative side of it. But for me, the gangbang would be about that masculine energy. And a female feminine energy is so, so different that I think it would subtract from my vision of what it would look like. And so whilst it might be still sexy, I think that at the end of the day, that's not what I would be looking for. Why don't you just try both a male one, all male and an all female one and see what happens? Yeah, but again, I just don't, it just doesn't, I mean, it's a good question for somebody like Sapphic Swingers, for example, because if they were going to arrange a, a lesbian gangbang, what would that look like? But yeah, in terms of the, having that a, f- a female in the room with a strap on, I, I don't know. It doesn't, and so, yeah, interesting. So if you guys are out there listening, have a think about it. Let us know, tweet at us, Instagram or email us. I'm curious what your thoughts were. If you were a female arranging a gangbang, how would you feel about a female with a strap on? Or if you're a guy arranging one for your partner, how would you feel about there being a female in the room? You know, would that be matching up to your sexual fantasy, I guess? Now, the second question they asked me is, would I consider then a couple to be included in the gangbang as long as the banging was focused on the guest of honour, so on me. Now, again, I, I throw that back to you, Daryl. If you were arranging a gangbang and there was, a, say, a couple in the room, say five guys and then a couple, how would you how would you feel about that? I don't really have an issue with that. I, I think having somebody else in the room that to help the, keep the guys focused or erect might be a good idea because if you're talking – I mean, if there's five guys – uh, on uh, five guys and you, I'm, I'm sure you can only deal with double penetration for a period of time, right? I mean, that's not going to be an all-night thing for you. So I can't imagine that you're going to keep all five guys busy for all of the evening. So well, it's interesting you say that, Daryl, because actually in my in my interview with Enrique, he talks about having a fluffer. Not even joking. He talks about that some of the gangbangs he arranges, he arranges one to two fluffers depending on how many, what the ratio is. Yeah. Tell makes them on the sense. Focus. Yeah, which it makes sense after you hear it, but when I heard it, I was like, holy shit, like that's like a porn site, you know, like a fluffer, right? Yes. Um, how do I feel about couples in the room? Again, it for me that just starts turning into then an orgy. Like it, for me that starts crossing the lines in terms of then, well, it's just it's two couples and a bunch of guys or it's an orgy or whatever as opposed to the intention of the gangbang both fun, but very, very different intentions. So if your intention is to create a gangbang with that masculine energy, is it going to work? For me, probably not. Still fun though. Yeah. So I don't know. It's. It, I thought it was really interesting questions anyway to answer before we get into the interview today. For sure. Absolutely. All right, guys. So that's a quick intro. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you like the interview and I will be back directly after to harass Daryl with some would you rather questions, how to make some tacos, which is a random one. We had a discussion over breakfast one day or over dinner, I should say, and uh, to give you a quick update on what's happening with us. Thanks, guys. Thank you. guys and welcome back i have a really interesting interview for you coming up now i'm on the line right now with enrique who's a 36 year old with over 18 years experience in swing and bdsm based out of sydney australia welcome to the podcast enrique hi thanks for having me now you're based out of sydney and the reason we're actually talking to enrique today is because you have been arranging the gangbangs for ecstasy gangbangs in sydney now for eight years like tell me tell me a little bit about how that kicked off why did you start ecstasy gangbangs yeah, so that's a pretty interesting backstory because I've been in the lifestyle for so long. I was sort of attending smaller scale ones for ex-partners and they were sort of not really hitting the mark in regards to what we were looking for just because of the maybe the quality of the people or just the screening process. It wasn't really crash hot. And so my ex-partners, because in those 18 years I've had relationships where they've been interested in that type of setup and the hardest thing 
for any type of gangbang setup is the logistics of finding the men and the right men for that sort of dynamic. And yeah, I just found some guys here and there. And then initially it was just going to be a small scale thing where women that I knew or couples that I knew who were interested would ask me, hey, would you be interested in organizing a few guys for my wife? And I'd be like, yep, sure, no problem. And then it sort of just exploded because I was finding the right guys and then the word was getting out because Sydney is a very small community. Yeah, you'd be very surprised how many people are actually interested in this sort of thing. And um, yeah, that's pretty much where we started. And then we've, we were approached by uh, a particular website in Sydney, Australia, that sort of caters for the swing swinging lifestyle. So then it was much easier for the word to get out because people love the idea of it. But in regards to finding it, it's the hardest part we found over the years. Oh, 100%. And everybody listening, this is a follow-on from recent episode 113, so 113, where we actually spoke about how to arrange a gangbang. And we mentioned ecstasy gangbangs in there because it is definitely a way to go about arranging a gangbang. If you're listening in your city, your country, wherever you are in the world, I highly recommend checking your local dating site and seeing if there is a person like Enrique who's kind of taken that hard work out of there for you because, like Enrique just said, it is really tough to find not only ones, you know, a manicorn that you might want to play with, but finding, you know, a stable of them to arrange a gangbang can be really hard. Enrique, I, I love the fact that you said about logistics in there. And, and first and foremost, I think that it's the elephant in the room. I think we need to address how do, how do we talk about logistics and how do you vet a single guy where do you find them? You know, if, if you get people saying to you, hey, I'm interested in being a single guy for your parties, how do you vet them? What do you talk to them about? And and let's talk about things like SDI testing and that sort of stuff as well. So give us that kind of logistical view on arranging your gangbangs. Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned the word stable. That's pretty much the same thing that we've used in sort of describing it. the guy. There are a large number in our sort of database, and so it's sort of made to order. So in regards to the smaller scale, a couple or a woman would see our profile and be interested in having one, and they would give me particular details in regards to the type of age they're after, how many they're after, when will it be, if we can host the event, or they might have the venue for it. Logistically, it's changed over the years. Of course, the situation we're in now when it comes to the hotel dynamic, it is, it is a little bit harder because it is a bit suspicious when you've got 20 men showing up to an, to a hotel mm-hmm. in the city. So no we've doubt. Had, yeah, we've had private venues for a while that we could use that there's no issues with neighbours sort of ringing the local authorities to say, well, why is there so many people entering the premises? So that's, you know, like, in regards to logistics, yeah, the small scale, when you usually got four to five guys, it was easy to manage in an apartment and yeah, where you could get it or the couple might offer because they might be in town or the woman might be in town and they're like, hey, could you get a few guys for us? And it's like, yeah, no problem. In regards to the vetting of the guys, so over the years I've met a lot of interesting guys and guys that I could see in the moment at an event or I would partake because I'm active in the lifestyle. So I might meet a couple or I might meet a few guys and I'll be like, oh, hey, hey, Gary, you, you seem pretty cool. Would you be interested in this in the future? Yeah, just give me your details. And I sort of kept them in my sort of database. And then with the specifics, a couple might want, say, a particular race, a particular height, a particular look, a particular persona of the man as well. Because when you could sort of delve into the more intense scenarios where it's more of a BDSM style, where the woman is quite submissive, a lot of guys might not sort of have that in them mm. to 
take that advantage of the woman that she wants. So I wouldn't invite a particular guy. I sort of, over time, I say 80% of the guys that would attend my events, I would know already, which is great. So I knew what their sort of potential was and what they would be interested in. And also in regards to what they're into as well, like we have all very different dynamics of race in Australia. How it would work is I have the database sort of, the, the guys in the group were happy to have their faces used. They could be using fake names, which is fine, but I would sort of have an email to send the couple or the woman and they would go through the list and they would just have their names and they could go through it just like a dating agency type thing and say, hey, yes, I like Jim, I like Tom, I like Daniel. I would go back to the couple and I would say, hey, look, these are the guys that are interested. They're the ones you've picked. It's a go ahead. So then we would organize logistics, time of the month where it is. And yeah, and from there, it's sort of, then the guy would come and the guys would come and and then if it all worked out well, especially for the new guys, because I always try to bring in one or two new guys if possible, because guys move on, they get relationships, they sort of fizzle out this lifestyle. And it comes to couples as well. And women, they sort of go through waves where they get busy in life and they can't really attend these sort of things. So in regards to that sort of stable of men, I have to always make sure I've got a big pool because there's always one around the corner. And if the guy's not available, it sort of puts me in a bit of a situation that I don't have the numbers. And yeah, and that's pretty much how we've sort of worked over the time and it's worked well because there's a bit of a personal touch to it because my experience going to other ones in the past they didn't really care who attended it was very sort of money driven it'd be a much older gentleman most likely and he would get a really stingy hotel room and Mm -hmm. a swarm of men and the woman just looked very uncomfortable she didn't really expect this sort of scenario of men that they weren't really up to her standard and I sort of have a, a quote I use when I ring the guy so I actually speak to all the men as well so they would contact me via the site if they're interested and I would say hey this is the situation. I need you to be genuine. I need you to be no douchebags and sort of scenario that you're not sort of there just to get yourself off. Mm-hmm. It is a, it's a fantasy for these people who have asked me to organize them. So I put a lot of effort to get the right people. And if I get the wrong person that could be too forward or too handsy or just might be just a bit arrogant or the attitude's not there, then I won't ask him to come back. And generally, sadly, I would average probably one every couple of events that I would just get the wrong guy. He might seem great on paper and he sounded fine over the phone. He showed up and maybe he didn't look like his photo or you don't need to have experience. You just need to have experience with women and how to respect women and in that situation know sort of how to present yourself. And some guys in that situation, they have no idea how to present themselves. No, that's fair enough. I mean, it's it's the same really as just the, the cross section of society, isn't it really? I mean, you're going to have people that think they can do it or they feel like they can or they want to give it a go. And then when, you know, push comes to shove, maybe they're just, they're not into it or they can't perform or they're not what they say they are. I, I get it. Going back to Gary at the club, you said you've, you're, you've seen Gary at the club. He looks like he's having a good time, looks like a gentleman. And you give him, what do you, what do, you do? Is he is he mid having sex or something? You give him the old the old tap on the shoulder like, hey, Gary, here's my, here's my business card. How does that work? <laughs> I do have a card. I do keep a card. <laughs> yeah, it's more of like, yeah, if he's sort of easy on the on the eye type thing, like generally at clubs, as you know, it's couples orientated. They very rarely don't let single men. So I might have had a friend or a date or an ex-partner at the time and mm-hmm. she might have been sort of the easier approach. So the, the female partner might say, hey, this is my partner. He organizes these little events. Would you be interested? And then that's how it sort of, it'd always be over a drink. It wouldn't be in mid-motion. Um, <laughs> a little bit awkward. But um, yeah, at least because I've seen how he's presented himself on that moment. He might not be into it. Like not all men 
Um, That's another. A lot of men love the uh, love the idea of this of a gangbang situation, but in reality, when it actually happens, if they do come, it's just a little bit too much to them. A lot of times, they won't come, and that's the biggest hurdle that I find, especially in Sydney. Sadly, I've been in the lifestyle for eighteen years, and I've travelled the world doing this, and I've been around Australia, and I found that Sydney men at the moment they're not the most reliable in regards to this sort of lifestyle choice. They contacted me at a, at a time maybe when they're really horny and. They think it's really cool, and then when it comes to the day itself, where they should be there, pretty much rocking up at the event, they don't show up. They don't and show it's up. Really, I could have an event with up to twenty to thirty single females at my larger scale ones, and they don't show up. It's really sad, and it's just more of a fact that in the lifestyle there could be scenarios where maybe that they're cheating on their partners, or mm. they're they get too scared. Yeah, but it really puts me in, in their situation because I've promised these people, and that's what I also do on the smaller scale. I learned very early on that I need to order more men than yeah. I need. Yep. And yeah, the first one I ever did, I remember it was like uh, 10, 10 guys for one woman. It was her her 19th, uh, 18th birthday and um, present from her partner. And I did the rookie mistake and I invited 10 when I should have probably invited 11 or 12 because at the time, one guy didn't show up. Last minute, I had to trawl my messages, find someone with like, like an hour's notice and then he showed up and it went great and it sort of worked out from there. But yeah, I learned from that first one. It's like, yeah, never, never invite the exact because the guys aren't going to show up, sadly. Yeah, I I think we, we normally run with about a 20 to 30% uh, no-show rate, and that's across the board for yeah. lifestyle events, not just not just men. I mean, I'm talking, yeah. you know, just yeah. it can be even a, a bar takeover, a meet and mingle. We we kind of oversell it by 20 to 30% because people just no-show. It's pretty pretty um, common, actually. Now, also, just going back to that scenario, you mentioned before you specifically try to invite guys that like that theme or like that scenario, and I, I just want to roll back to that and put that out there for everybody listening because whilst we, we talk about these guys and we talk about them in a stable and, you know, they are there as a part of the theme for that lady that doesn't mean they don't have needs and desires and and i think that's really important to to mention that you know not everybody's going to be comfortable with some of this and so selecting those people for that specific thing you know you mentioned maybe more of a a dominant submissive role is is super important so thank you for mentioning that because i I think some of the times we forget that these guys also have desires emotions wants and and sometimes we just kind of refer to them just as as you know kind of a an object so i appreciate you you saying that yeah yeah like in regards to that like i when i question them on it's more of an interview over the phone I always tell them look it's not a place to just get your dick wet pretty much like you're not going there just for the sake of it you have to be wanting to be there and then wanting to, to partake with her and sort of fulfill their needs and your needs as well because you're not going to attend and just waste your time for no reason so. when you're arranging these gangbangs and it's thinking more specifically about the smaller more intimate ones that you've done maybe if it was Daryl and I calling you up and saying hey can you arrange a gangbang do you ever have people arranging a themed gangbang so yeah. some specific costumes or you know you mentioned more submissive dominant. tell me about that we've had a couple of funny ones over the years we had one where the woman she wanted to be interrogated by the immigration at the airport so she was on a holiday so we set up an apartment like an airport theme and we had our costumes as pilots and, and she was a sort of an agent Asian descent so she sort of put on the accent even thicker to say that she had contraband in her bag and so she would come in and we had we were in character and it worked out really well actually it was really it was really enjoyable where yeah we would find fake contraband in her bag and i think we actually had a large dildo as well in there and it's like what's this and she's like oh i don't know what this is i don't i didn't i didn't put this in my bag and then we take her into the interrogation room and sort of have her way we've had the the naughty secretary theme as well where she's interviewed the men for a 
a job and she would select the potential employee for that position and then she would have her way with her first and bring the guys in at a certain time when she was ready to have it. But theme-wise, yeah, they'd be the more funny ones. A lot of women get very nervous when it forces if it's their first time. So to alleviate that nerves, we did a scenario usually where the apartment that we had or a hotel that we got, I would go there first and meet the people. And sometimes I would meet these people beforehand as well, before the actual date and have a drink and sort of have a game plan of what they were after. And then I would sort of suggest a few things. And what we found worked really well was where the woman would be in the separate bedroom. She would be in a sexy outfit, um, but she would actually be blindfolded. So she wouldn't even know, one, how many men were coming. The partners usually would give a surprise and say, yeah, I've got a group of men. But we wouldn't really, he wouldn't really be specific on the numbers. And then I would go collect the guys downstairs at the bar one at a time and come upstairs and we'd just have a chat. And then I sort of do like a, a pre talk, like a pep talk beforehand about these are the rules. So every woman that I, that approaches us, they'll give me a detailed sort of no go zones, their limits, uh, what they're anticipating, what they would like to try. So then all the guys are on the same page, um, which is really good. It's like a cheat sheet type thing because you don't really want to jump into it and a guy, suddenly say tries to do anal and the girl isn't into anal like that's the worst thing to, to happen so by the guys being informed pre from the individual it works really well and then yeah the lighting helps as well like we used to have like red lighting or different nice lighting and it's sort of by the guys entering and then not 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 her knowing how many there was eventually the, the blindfold comes off but it we found that it was a really good icebreaker because at events, and you've probably known going over the years, a lot of, and even just meeting people individually for a, a hookup, a lot of time, I'll say wasted, but there is a lot of time used up by that sort of nervousness of talking and having a drink for hours on hours on end, where these people know what they want and the guys know what they want. So by doing this sort of setup, it worked really well. There were times where there were couples that wanted a drink and it would drag on a little bit, which is fine. It just made her ease her in a little bit easier, but we found just that fantasy role play of all these men are coming to have their way with me, but I don't know how many there is. She knows who's coming. At the end of the day, she knows their faces. She knows the particulars that she's picked. But just sort of that anticipation with a blindfold sort of really works. Theme-wise, yeah, that would be the majority of the themes that we would have at our events. It's interesting that you say that about the, the comfort levels because we when we actually did the podcast recently, that was one of the things that I spoke about was the fact that I, for me, I think having a theme where I get into character and so it's outside of the, the Kate that you're talking to now or the Kate that goes down and buys the groceries or cooks the dinner or whatever, it's, it's Kate in character and, um, you know, it's my slutty persona and I think that having that theme can really help that mindset shift go from, hey, I'm a bit nervous that these guys are entering the hotel room or wherever and so we're going to get into some fun now. So I, I like that idea. The idea of the customs agents and immigration, that terrifies me because <coughs> I travel so much internationally and let me tell you, I fumble. Every time an immigration agent's like, what are you here for? I'm like, work, wait, no, yeah. pleasure, wait, no. Um, um, um. <laughs> I would freak out. I've had some funny scenarios, but she actually told me she was with someone and she dreamt about it. It was a dream that she had and oh. she was like, I want to do that in reality. I was like, okay, sure, no problem. Yeah. I actually thought the guys wouldn't be into it. Like, I thought it's a bit too far-fetched. It's a bit too silly. But no, they were fine. Like They came with their white-colored pressed shirts and their trousers, and I, I got the hats, and we set up the apartment like an airport, and it was pretty funny. Uh, we enjoyed it. Actually, it was probably one of my funniest ones I've ever had. And look, most of the time, I'd say 95%, they work out well. There are, the slad, sadly, the, the, the sort of small percentages of where, say, I would – the women that were attending sort of weren't really ticking the boxes for the guys and and the other way around too. It's the guys that she selected weren't really doing it for her mm -hmm. and 
yeah, it does happen. I'd say very, very small percentage. I'm really trying to think if it was anything bad. Not really bad happened. It was just more, like I said, there'll be the odd guy that there was a guy, actually, I remember I told the men beforehand, look, their role is not to impress the woman. They actually have to get along with the other guys. So if the other guys, my regular guys see that the new guy is a little bit weird or he's a little bit too full on, they'll come and tell me later. So there was one guy who I said on the phone about the talk and I said, yep, this is what you're going to do and just get along with and I have to like you. Like if I don't like you, you're not going to come back. He got really paranoid when he got there. So every five minutes he came up to me and said, am I doing good? Like, is it all right? Am I all right? Am I all right? And I was just like, yeah, mate, it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. Like he just got too nervous about it and he eventually just became a bit of a, a weirdo in regards to his attitude towards it. Our, most of our events, they've been fine. It's never really been an issue for people. It's just been more that sort of scenario where I just felt that the guy didn't suit that situation and I just didn't ask him to come back. Yeah. And, and actually just then you were just mentioning, you know, maybe the guys aren't interested in the, the lady or the couple or vice versa. When you're yeah. arranging these, do you normally arrange these? Is it more single women or is it couples that you're arranging them for? What's the split on that, do you reckon? I'd say it's about 50-50. I was really surprised early on. It was actually majority of single women either who I knew personally or they were finding us through a friend or I might know, I know a guy who said, hey, there's a girl that I know. And then eventually there was couples because me being in the lifestyle, I've met couples and singles all my lifestyle time. So yeah, I was like, if I go through the numbers, I'd guarantee it's probably 50-50 because when once we went to the larger scale, a lot of them were single females because it was an event, it was a party. So we found a lot of single females liked that situation because it was less pressure because they could have a drink, they could have a dance, they could just mingle and they didn't really need to partake because it was a larger scale event. But where it's like a single woman with a group of men, they they would feel it's a little bit too much pressure. So yeah, but earlier on yeah it was just in regards to the women because i think that that role play you're talking about the scenario like you get into that slut role mindset a lot of girls in society now are sort of open to that now like society is always shun upon women about being sluts and men can fuck everybody in the earth and then they're, they're not even sluts so now women accept that and so in the mindset of this scenario so it's like this is great yeah i don't have to be ashamed i actually like this i fantasize about it and i want to do this and then they've found me or via other avenues and it's like great yeah there are other people out there who feel the same about this and think the same way like you and it's worked out really well because yeah i think in a gangbang scenario the women would have some sort of slut role mentality because they are being taken by a group of men and it's it's interesting but yeah i'd say 50 50 at this stage and, w- and when you are arranging them for couples is it normally the guy who you're dealing with or is it the the lady how does that work yeah i've noticed now they'll contact me both and because of the age of technology now and sort of apps and chat apps and stuff like that, I would be speaking to both and they would be sort of asking the questions together. I think over the years, it's mainly been the man, of course, that's sort of dropped the email and said, hey, can you organise a few guys for the missus? But initially, after that initial message, it's usually both of them will be speaking to me and I'll speak to both of them over the phone and discuss of like, how long have they been doing this for? Because that's another thing too, like, it's you should be doing this sort of scenario at the right time in your relationship if you are a couple. I believe if you do this too very early on, even the swinging lifestyle, it could be a bit it's a bit too much like it could overwhelm one or the other like the woman might be more into it than the guy the guy the idea sounds great but if you're very fresh in your relationship it can sort of hurt the relationship as well so i just like to know where they are in their relationship have they done this before have they been to a swingers events before who's wanting to have this are you both i always ask the question are you both wanting to have this because i don't want the scenario where it's him pushing her to do it or she's doing it out of spite and all that sort of stuff it doesn't work that way so that that communication at the start is key and 
in regards to communication and who asks the questions, it's usually both of them, which is good to see. Yeah, that is good. I think that way. I mean, it puts you at ease as well, right? Because then you, like you said, you know that they're they're in it together. You, you're comfortable with the fact that you know your guys are going to be in the room and there's not going to be any dramas. So I think that that sounds great. I mean, I get it though. Some I would imagine there'd be some couples out there where it's either maybe her cockolding him, and so she's making all the arrangements, or or it could be that he's making the arrangements and she's you know she's like just going to get a sluttiness on and she doesn't want to know until she gets there like i get that they could be kind of a different ones and let's let's maybe talk about a, a typical night or in your mind a really good version of a gangbang so you kind of you've alluded to it a few times you might go to someone's apartment or you might go to a hotel room you bring the guys up one-on-one but if you were going to talk to people out there who maybe haven't had a gangbang before and are thinking about it if you're going to give like your gold star what's a typical night look like or the best version of how maybe a gangbang might run for a couple can you share that with us the the really yeah the really good ones there's, there's some out there that have sort of stood out because just everybody gelled like it was so good like it was I, i'd say the more enjoyable ones would be the much larger ones as well but it, it came down to like i can remember two in particular there was one where she was really intense she was from the bdsm world and she gave me this sort of debrief of what she wanted and it was really to the point of like use and abuse in a good sense in regards to the sexual connotations of it but the guys were on the same page i picked the right guys so when it came to that moment it was just like yes like it was clothes getting ripped it was the intensity was there it flowed for hours everybody was spent at the end of it so in regards to a really enjoyable one that was really cool because all oh, that sort of kink variety really ticks boxes for me and so this woman really enjoyed it the partner got off on it the guys loved it they were like this is the best one we've had and then just in regards to maybe the there was one we had <laughs> the probably the better one we had was we had a, a very a, a former let's say woman of the of the porn industry was in town and she wanted a sort of fantasy not a fantasy she was she was already in the industry but they wanted a large number and when i meant a large number it was sort of the biggest number that i've ever had to organize for one particular woman it was 21 guys she wanted 21 and i'm thinking initially it was 20 and of course like i said before she wanted i have to always order more than i needed so eventually yeah. we got 21 i've never done one that big before the most i've ever done was about 10 for one woman and so i know my guys and i know they really wouldn't be interested the idea sounds great, but I didn't think they would be very interested for one woman. And she said she she was a very attractive woman, don't get me wrong. And she used to be in the industry and that sort of sex appeal would have been great. But I just said personally, look, I just don't think I can do it with just the one. Do you have a friend or do you have someone in particular that might be able to help? And she's like, yep, my girlfriend will help straight away. So there were two technically, but what I had to sort of deal with as well was there was a lot of men. So what I organized was I used a larger venue and of course to do it, but I got uh, a couple of fluffers as, as your audience probably don't, I don't know if they were aware, a fluffer yeah. in the point. It was a woman on the side that would keep the men hard in between scenes. And because I've got so many men to deal with, I just needed that sort of thing to keep the guys occupied because physically for two women, you could probably maybe only get six guys or seven involved in that moment. So having all those guys sort of standing around doing nothing, I just needed something else to fill that void. So I had two fluffers involved on the side. That was really cool. And then the ending the ending was probably the funniest, but also the most entertaining was they actually wanted a bukkake at the end of it to try to get 
get men to do that on command is really hard, but it worked out really well. And so we had the both girl, women laying on their backs sort of head to head in, in a shower. So we could, it was a very large shower and sort of had, they just finished off on them. And it was like, it was like a real life porno. And that's what really made it really fun. Like these men had never in their whole life been in a porno. They've just fucked a porn star or former porn star. And they've sort of lived their dream. And I had a lot of new guys that night because it was such large numbers. I had to find new men and they were just blown away. Just they didn't think this was real. They've always thought about it and seen it in pornos and they just thought, nah, this doesn't exist. And then they were very lucky to come that night. And it's like from then on, they're like, okay, we believe this and we'll stick by you and we'll come to whatever you ask us to come to because they were just blown away. So, oh, man, 100%. I can imagine you're sitting, you know, as a, as a guy, you're sitting in your retirement home, you know, when you're older, reminiscing about how your life's gone. You're like, I remember that time that I was having sex with a former porn star and I felt like I was on a porn set. And, you know, back in my heyday, that's so funny. And look, I didn't think that we'd be talking about having fluffers, uh, fluffers at a gangbang but that's interesting because when you do have so many guys I get it you know you 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 can't expect everybody I guess to just be standing around rock hard for hours on end and I guess unless it's kind of uh, medically medically induced. So fluffers at a gangbang, ladies and gentlemen. Heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, that was more because of the fact that it was her fantasy. So I couldn't have women involved to, to sort of break up that fantasy for her, but I needed help. So the girls were much more than happy. I had 21 great-looking guys and fit, well-endowed, all that sort of situation because that's what she wanted. And so they weren't complaining at all. And it was, again, for her and it was her fantasy. And, um, yeah, it worked out really well. So in those situations, like they're, they're the ones that sort of – stand out but there was actually one more there was a couple where initially i think i told you my first official one i organized was for 10 and she was stunning she was 18 and they they flew down and we did it for the first time and for 10 and then yeah she then i think two years later or maybe a year later they came back down and it was her 19th birthday it was like this big birthday and they organized little ones in queensland but they could never really get more numbers because they they just found how difficult it was to find the guys and they also didn't believe they were real because she was a stunning woman and so whenever they were sort of corresponding with these guys they were like no nah, this is fake and she's not real and so they wouldn't show up and so they found me when she turned 18 for her birthday and then a year later they did it again but then they wanted 20 for her 20th birthday and then same scenario i had to get another woman involved um, i didn't have fluffers that time but yeah they were really cool people because they were on the same page they were having great times with it she loved it he loved it and it worked really well and i do remember the funny story was he told me he's a really nice guy he's a bit of a gentle giant he was a very large and intimidating type of guy but he loved her and he just wanted her to have fun and he told me before the second time we did this look i met you a year ago that first time we did it i need to tell you something and i said what and he said well because i didn't know who you were and more or less of a safety thing I actually had a knife behind the TV just in case something went wrong. And I'm like, okay, thanks for telling me now. We're about to organize another one for your partner. Okay. <laughs> but it worked out well. You're a great guy and there's no issues about it now. But just to let you know, I just wanted to tell you. And I'm just like, okay, cool, thanks. <laughs> now, it's interesting talking numbers too because uh, I actually just – I put up a, a poll on our Instagram the other day saying how many men do you believe are in, in, involved in a gangbang? And there's always, oh, okay. there's always been this discussion because some people have said, well, anything that's airtight is a gangbang. Anything that could be potentially airtight is a gangbang. And other people have said, nah, no way, that's like a threesome, foursome situation. Yep. It's not a gangbang. And I just want to let you know, 68% of people said it has to be more than four people, more than four guys to a lady. Oh. 
five is I yeah my sort of five. When I recommend to a couple how many they want, I usually start with five. I used to say five to seven. So to start off with, if it's their first time, that's the ideal number. And again, coming down because of the dropouts, but then also as a yeah for the scenario to work really well, I've found and because you have couples where the partner doesn't get involved, so you sort of minus that one man because he's taking the photos or the videos. Mm-hmm. That's another thing too. Privacy is a big thing in this lifestyle in this scenario. So like whenever footage is taken, none of my men's face. I'm usually the one that takes the photos or the videos or on the couple's device, but I will go through them before we leave to make sure there's no identifying signs or faces or tattoos or anything like that because there are a lot of guys in my stable who are very high-profile people. I've mm-hmm. got ex-celebrities, I've got sports people, I've got TV personalities. Like it's a, As we know in this lifestyle, people, anonymity is like you could be out there like you guys, which is great. Your faces are out there and good on you. But again, this is a, another side to my life that nobody sort of knows yeah, what I do. For sure. No, we get it. Absolutely. And and on that too, so Tony Tony responded. He actually not only voted, but he actually put a comment and he said, listen, three guys is a mini gangbang. <laughs> it has to be four to be a grown-up gangbang. So I thought that was rather funny. But let's uh, let's actually stick with some Instagram questions because we have some interesting ones here. And I just wanted to, to ask uh, ask them. So one here is that they would this person said they would love a gangbang, but they're really it's really, really hard to do in Auckland, New Zealand. Now, t- t- two questions, I guess, on that. And that was from Marvin in New Zealand. Have you, I mean, you said before you got people flying in. Have you ever arranged a, a gangbang in another state or country for other people? Or do you see a lot of people maybe domestically traveling or internationally traveling to come down and then that's when they want to have their fun in a different city? Yeah, yeah. So I'd say a high percentage are couples who are flying through. Like I've had a few people who have just been on holiday and they just thought it was sort of their bucket list. We're going to be in town for that weekend. We have a nice hotel room. Can you organize a few guys? That's a very common scenario. A lot of interstate people, they find it's what there's a lot of country folks, say, in Australia that don't really like to be known that they do this sort of stuff in their own town. So they would generally travel to the city area to sort of do it, that scenario. Um, in regards to organising overseas, like I think Brisbane might, might have been the only one that the particular couple, we became really good friends and I organised one for them in their in their home. They had a beautiful home and we organised them. Yeah, in regards to the New Zealand, I haven't been to New Zealand. I've been to many around the world, but I've not particularly had to travel to go organise one very far. But yeah, I'm surprised. There's a bit of a community in New Zealand. There was one particular woman that was known for gangbangs. I think she's now become a, an international porn star now. And she started just from being a, a local Kiwi uh, gangbang girl, if you want to call it, on certain websites. And she was finding these men and she seemed to be having a lot of time. And she had her face out there, of course, because she was wanting to get into the industry. Yeah, yeah, to travel. Yeah, I, I think most people don't want to travel too far to have sex. So <laughs> <laughs> you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. And the next one is actually from Happy Monkey Girl. She asked how, what's the easiest way? And I'm going to answer this one. Go to somebody who's arranging them because honestly, the one that we were talking about arranging ourselves, I actually had a friend helping us uh, outsource that shit. Happy Monkey Girl, honestly, outsource it. (laughs) If I'm I'm blatantly honest. Uh, Jason's asking about STD checks. So, I mean, do do you have a requirement for people to show you a current STD check or an STI check? Do you just make the assumption that people are doing what they should because you've been, you know, 18 years in the in the lifestyle? How does that all work for you? I find that there are particular couples that will request that and then we do provide that. The hope is that the guys would generally do it. Majority of them will give it to me if I've asked for it. But it's generally like the question if you go to a club, do clubs ask you for an STI screen test when you show up to the door? They don't. So it's more the fact that I would hope they do. I personally do it religiously because of how active I am in the lifestyle. I do hear sad stories of men that just don't practice safe sex, which is stupid in this lifestyle you the guys that i generally don't 
let come, the first question will be, is it unprotected? If they ask that question, then I just block them pretty much straight away. It's like, you can't be stupid enough to do this sort of situation without protection. Sadly, there have been couples that have asked requests for that situation. And I've said, look, we don't cater for that. I'm really sorry. I don't want to risk it. I don't want to risk my guys. I don't know who I don't know who you are from a bar of soap. So in regards to the testing side of things, yeah, a lot of times they've requested it. And the guys that I've sort of trusted over the years would hopefully be getting it. And they do because Sydney's very small again. And if the word gets out that someone's caught something, it's not going to take too long to find out who's given it. And yeah, and you don't want to be known as that person. But okay, um, yeah. always, and we provide everything so the good thing about when you get like you said you outsource this sort of thing we provide everything so protection condoms lubes everything is sort of you just pretty much have to show up to these things and enjoy yourself in regards to the testing side of things that's sort of where we stand mm-hmm. in that video. let's start wrapping up then so uh, we'll ask two maybe two two last questions to you so you mentioned earlier that you kind of you, you touched on it a little bit that there are some larger events. You know, you mentioned before that you might get a hundred men on a night. You might have some DJs, some entertainment, some theme things. Yeah. Do you, you know now that you've done some intimate events? You're doing these larger scale events. Do you have a preference for one of the uh, one or the other? Like, which one do uh-huh. you think you prefer, and which one do you think people prefer? That's really it's a good question. Um, the the biggest scale they were only happening probably for the last two years and we found a really cool venue that was licensed for that type of play so yeah we were we were theming them as well there were, there were color themes so what would happen we had this very large sex on premises venue in sydney and we had the entertainment we had the dj and it was very sociable at the start so the theme would come down to what the women would wear underneath so they don't have to disrobe as they walk in it's nothing like that it was very casual bring your drinks have a chat it's like you're going out to a nightclub type thing and then by a certain point when everybody arrived, so I usually would go on the stage by 10, 10.30 once everybody was sort of um, had a few drinks and sort of met people and sort of picked on who they were sort of interested in. I would go on the stage uh, with my co-host and we would do a talk about the ground rules about protection side of things, sort of safety, uh, hygiene. I used to have a bit of a joke that I used to like, which was I don't like men wearing socks during sex so it's uh, like yeah, 100% 100% here another vote for that pornos out there generally a gangbang you always find these guys with like white dirty socks on so that was sort of like a little icebreaker joke that I used to say at the start and then what we used to do is as you can probably see on our profile we have then the women on they would get this robe the ones that are wanting to so there was no pressure to go on it I'd be like hey hey ladies just to break the ice do you want to come onto the stage take your clothes off in your themed underwear so that might be in all red and then we would do a little sort of a, a, a bum shot of all the girls bent over which is pretty hot when you've got everybody sort of watching it's pretty hot to see a group of ladies on the stage in their sexy outfits they bend over and then to make it more comfortable for them I then ask the guys to take their shirts off and that sort of thing and um, once the sort of photos and the particulars are done it just evolves from that it just happens because of the, the layout that we had it, there were no individual rooms it was all open plan so it was like a massive orgy harem style layout so you would look left you would look right and there's women taking 10 there might be a, a woman that might take three or four in the corner there might be two girls together there might be a woman doing dp on the stage like it was pretty full-on so the parties were really good logistically it was a nightmare of course because it's a lot more work um mm, yeah. there, was, there was a lot of headaches for me and i sally my limited play time was much less because you sort of got your working head on mm-hmm. hat on, and you sort of don't really get involved. I would eventually, but yeah, but the smaller scales has its perks as well because yeah, you can get involved. You it get was involved. more intense. 
and it was only one woman. But when you've got a smorgasbord of women, it's pretty pretty hot and fun for the men that attend because they're like, shit, he's like 20 to 25 women here who want us. That's like a fantasy come true for a lot of the guys. So it was really good. Sadly, because of the situation we're in at the moment in the world, it's not really happening at the moment. But yeah, hopefully when things settle, we'll definitely be up and running again because a lot of people, a lot of single women like that scenario. So we had a lot of single females attending those ones because they could just come in, be themselves, have a bit of fun with these guys and then sort of leave and go back to their normal world and yeah. their normal life, come back next month. Absolutely. Now, Enrique, if you were going to give some advice for a couple out there who were thinking about arranging a gangbang, right? So they're thinking about it, they're talking about it. Do you have a gold star piece of advice that you would give them, maybe some, uh, a talking point or something in your experience that has led from that conversation to reality and something that has helped it just really fall into place and work well? Yeah, I'd say if they're looking to do it for themselves and not having someone else to do it, I think the best thing would be the tip that I tell couples, don't use random guys, as in try to get men who know each other or that they've been with. So if they're in the lifestyle and they like to meet single men, I would start to just to ask those guys that they've met hey, we're interested in this scenario down the track. Would you like to be part of it? Because then at least they know the guys. They know who's in, who's involved. When you get a lot of random men who don't know each other or the person who's organising it, it's just a little bit too risky because I've just heard too many bad stories of people trying to do that. And look, yeah, they don't show up or they do show up and they don't suit the situation. So, yeah, that probably might be... St- and also not to, not to stress over it. Like, it can be very time-consuming when you try to do it for yourself and it can be very frustrating because you could organise a room, you can do everything and then again the guys don't show up and it's just a little bit of a kick in the guts and I've had that in my life in general in the, in the lifestyle and as you as you guys probably know going through the lifestyle too you sort of you get over it in the early days you'd get very frustrated you'd get very very annoyed and you think oh is this what the lifestyle is about just people screwing you over but then you meet the right people then you meet the good people and then you have the good experiences so I just tell people don't get frustrated over it eventually it will happen but don't force it as well don't think it's going to happen next week don't think you're going to say hey babe let's do this next week and then trying to get 10 guys it's just not going to happen it's a it's a build-up mm-hmm. so yeah i think that's probably the main no i like that yeah that's that's really good and also everyone's then more comfortable and i think the evening would flow but i like that thank you so much enrique all right guys so this has been uh, enrique with ecstasy gangbangs out of sydney australia in the show notes today you're going to find links to their profile on red hot pie to their profile on fetlife and on their twitter profile as well so please feel free to reach out to enrique if one you want to arrange a gangbang uh, or two if you're thinking about it and you just want to kind of chat backwards and forwards about his experience you know, please feel free to, to reach out to Enrique. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, talking about your experience, uh, not only just your 18 years in the lifestyle, but your eight years arranging gangbangs. I think this is a really interesting topic and something that perhaps is a little bit taboo, but I, I really appreciate your transparency today. I think you've really broken it down well. And, and I think there's going to be a lot more people out there feeling more comfortable as a result. So thank you. That's all right. Thanks for having me. Perfect. All right, guys, we'll be, be back soon. And I appreciate you listening to Swinging Down Under podcast. As always, please do check out the show notes and hit up Enrique and uh, drop us a note as well to let us know how you thought the podcast went thank you so much guys hey daryl if you had to have sex with me with either a an it clown mask on or a gnome as in garden gnome mask on which would you prefer which would i prefer yeah so you have to have sex with me with one of those masks on which one is it which one do you choose (laughs) it the clown or a gnome in the garden well there'd be no way i'd be getting sex if i was wearing an it the clown mask no i've got to wear the mask oh that's all you say both either don't care yeah either either you don't have a preference i'll just turn you around fucky doggy style and not have to look at it no you have to look at it i close my eyes
No, you can't. Like, you have to... Can, like, look, I just did. You have to do, like... It's late at night. I'm closing them right now. It's not that late. It's only 10.30. See, my eyes just close again. You have to choose one. Gnome. I Gnome? Can, yeah, I can imagine Gnomeo and Juliet. That's so lame. Oh, I mean, you know. Have you actually seen that movie? Yeah. It's a great movie. Is it? Yeah, I think it's quite good. Really? Yeah. It's a love story about two gnomes. Gnomeo and Juliet. Okay. And it's based on, you know... Gnome not stuff. surprisingly, Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, Daryl, continue on with, you know, schooling me with how tacos are made. Is this mansplaining? Is well, you've spent, as you just quoted before I press a record button, you've spent years. I have. Okay. Working out how to eat hard tacos without ending, without them ending up all over your lap. What kind of a degree does that get you? Is that like an undergrad, degree, like degree level undergrad, like postgrad? What, what, what just the fact that you don't know which level it is is just an indication of how far away you are from being a taco, taco master. master. Okay. So yeah. Explain it to us uh, how you make these. Well, the meat goes in the bottom. It doesn't. The, the cheese protein doesn't. goes in the bottom. The cheese goes on the bottom because then the meat, when you put it on top, melts the cheese. No, that's not why the protein goes in the bottom. The protein goes in the bottom because it's got oil in it and it lubricates the uh, taco base, which means that the taco's actually more squidgy, which allows it to not break then up. Then the taco gets soggy. That's okay. That portion of the taco is allowed to get soggy so you can fold it. Then you add the cheese because then the cheese melts on top. I suppose you're about to say that the guacamole should go on top as well, right? I don't believe there should be guacamole in a taco. <laughs> but it's delicious. It's delicious, don't get me wrong. It? It's it's good, but you don't need to make like a perfectly whatever it is. What, were you, what are you doing? It's not You're not laying bricks over there. You're putting fucking guacamole into it. And then what are you sticking? You're just sticking spinach leaves yeah. to the outside it's of the guacamole. It's definitely Mexican spinach leaves, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know that I even have the vocabulary to be able to teach somebody how to stuff a hard taco that's so far behind the, the eight ball. I don't think I can dumb it down enough. I think you're wrong. I think many people put their cheese in the bottom and put their meat on top of it because it melts it. Those people are wrong. No, they're not. You're wrong. No. No, I'm not. Agree to disagree. I'm not agreeing to disagree at all because you're wrong. <laughs> Thanks again, guys, for listening to that. And thank you to Enrique from Ecstasy Gangbangs. Please do check out the show notes. Reach out to him if you have any questions, comments about the interview, or if you're looking to arrange one yourself and just want to get some pro tips off him. Really appreciated his time and kind of running us through what he sees in his experience over eight years arranging gangbangs in Sydney was just amazing. Okay, and as we close out, I just want to make a few thank you again to our Patreon members. We have a few new ones and an increased pledge. So thank you so much, Mark Sexy. He increased his pledge this month. We really appreciate you and welcome back to Scott and welcome to Julie. Thank you so much for joining us on Patreon. We really appreciate the hell out of you guys. And that's it for us guys for this bonus episode with Ecstasy Gangbangs. We'll be back soon with a Halloween special so we hope that you guys stay tuned and subscribe and listen to that next podcast. Bye guys. If you're looking for more ways to interact with Swinging Down Under you can catch us on Twitter at Swing Down Under. You can also catch us on Instagram Swinging Down Under 
or head over to our website, swingingdownunder.com. We would absolutely love to hear from you. So if you would like to send us an email, jump online, do it at cnd at swingingdownunder.com. If you've got podcast topics, questions, you want to talk about your journey, you can also support the podcast through our website by clicking through on any of the affiliate links or alternatively to jumping over to patreon.com forward slash swingingdownunder and sponsoring the podcast. If you can't do any of those things, but just want to make a feel good day, leave us a five-star review. Cheers, everyone. And thank you again for supporting Swinging Down Under podcast.